This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A listener production. Hey, I'm pro surfer and mental health advocate, Kubi Chapman, and this is Good Humans. If there's one thing I've realised after starting this podcast, it's that everyone has a story to share about their challenges that can help us build our mental resilience. From the messages I receive on Instagram, to my mates outside of surfing, or to the people who stop me in the street, there are so many more inspiring stories I can help share. So I'm going to broaden my horizons of guests on Good Humans to be both from those in and out of the water so we can learn together from a wider community how to be the best humans we can be. So whilst I've still got plenty of surfers coming up on Good Humans, this episode will be with my first land dweller, the social media powerhouse, Steph Miller, also known as Steph Claire Smith. She's a co-creator of the food and health app, Keep It Cleaner, and an advocate for authenticity. In our chat, I learned how a bad experience in New York led her to take a stand and to create a huge online community, Keep It Cleaner, that actually supports one another, where so many other online conversations try to pull us apart. Steph, welcome to Good Humans. Oh, thank you. No, I was really happy to come on and chat. (laughs) I'm really good friends with your husband, Josh, Mm -hmm. and I've met you a few times and we're good friends, but I'd like to think that I probably don't know you anywhere (laughs) anywhere (laughs) near as well as I know Josh. This is a great opportunity to find, get, get to know you better, but for two... I guess, share some of the great things that you've done in your life and some of the great experience that you've had to become the beautiful person you are today. So I want to rewind back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. What was your upbringing like and what sort of values did your family instill in you from a young age? Um, I love talking about my growing up, like my childhood, because it was so great. I was very, very fortunate Um my family, I grew up in a really supportive, loving family, got along really, really well with my older brother, Murray, um, and had a really good relationship with both my parents. Um, I was always a bit of a daddy's girl growing up, like just <laughs> loved my dad. I loved my mum too, but I think I like a lot of women and girls when they go through that teenage stage, went through a bit of a rebel against my mum and thought that I knew more than her and I knew better. And I just felt like his dad, I think, had a bit a bit more rebelish in him when he was younger. I kind of related to him a little bit more. And my mum was this just perfect human in so many ways and just was loved by everyone and was so positive all the time and, you know, didn't really touch much alcohol and all that sort of stuff. So growing up, I was kind of like, I don't understand. But, you know, the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated mum and the closer we've gotten. And she's, you know, she's just amazing and the best mum in the world. So I think I'm really fortunate to say I had a really beautiful um, childhood and growing up. I grew up here in Melbourne um, and I went to two public schools, both primary school and high school were both public schools. Didn't move around much. I lived in my family house for about 18 years of my life. Um, so I grew up with a lot of the same friends and a lot of my friends who went to my primary school went to my high school. So stayed close with a lot of them and are still friends with a lot of them to this day, which is really special. Um, 
I suppose everyone kind of asks the question of like when modeling kind of came into the picture because it wasn't I mean, it really started after high school, but it was something that I was always interested in. Like when I was growing up, there's all these family videos of me either like singing or making up a dance or like just posing for the camera. And I just really loved performing in so many different ways. And I think just the older I got, the more I realized I wasn't really that good of a singer and I wasn't that great of a dancer. So I think modeling was like the next best thing for me. Because, you know, I still got to perform in a way. still got to be on that side of the camera. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just always felt really comfortable in my own skin. And I think some values that um, that that really came from from my parents. I mean, they supported us in anything we wanted to try, any sport or dancing or anything that we wanted to try. They supported us through it. And they just kind of instilled in us, like even towards the end of high school, when it came to studying, like obviously study hard and try your best. But um, you know, don't feel the pressure to, to need to do anything um, outside of your comfort zone or, or not not in a way that like wouldn't challenge you, but like just do what you enjoy and what you um, want to do. Don't feel like you have to do anything to, you know, prove to us anything other than, you know, that you just, I don't know. They, <laughs> I think they just knew that Murray and I were both very like creative, sporty people. Um, I was not very academic. And so a lot of my VC subjects were very like artsy of health and fitness related. And so, yeah, I wasn't ever really going to get an amazing, incredible ATAR um, or enter score because literally every single one of my subjects that I was doing, I was getting marked down. And I really hate how the system works. I think it's so stupid. It's so backwards. Um, <laughs> isn't it? It doesn't make um, any sense. But like, it didn't really matter because I didn't need a high end score for the stuff that I was thinking of. I mean, outside of modeling, I, I wanted to be either like a PE teacher or, you know, go down one of those kind of paths. And I didn't mind, you know, going to TAFE or like doing it a different way. And it just, it, it just wasn't something that stressed me out too much. And I just loved that my parents were really okay with that. And um, because I had a lot of friends who, you know, got a lot of pressure from their parents, um, particularly in the high school that I went to, there was quite a lot of pressure around like, you know, what subjects you chose and what your ATAR was at the end and what you were going to go into, which was funny because, I mean, I'm glad my parents were as supportive as they were because, you know, not all of my peers were as supportive of me. (laughs) Like a lot of people, when I would say that I was considering, you know, having a gap year and doing modelling, thought it was a bit of a joke and um, would kind of tell me that I was going to need a backup and that I should probably focus on something else and... um, that it's not going to last long or it's not a real job and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think without the support of my family, I probably wouldn't have chased that dream and I <laughs> wouldn't be where I am today. So, Yeah, it's so awesome. It sounds like having that pair, your family is like almost like a safety net, letting you go and do what you want, gave you the opportunity to take what you'd call almost risks to go mm. and chase like these big goals and these things that you've done. And I've listened to a few of your other podcasts with other people doing a bit of research and it just sounds like, you've always had this attitude of like, you know what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And it's such a great way to live because it's something, one thing that I really try and live by is the act of confidence comes before the feeling of confidence. And it's so true. And looking at all of your accolades and all of the things that you've achieved, it seems like you've always just gone in with the like, you know what, if I give it my best shot, like what's the worst that can happen? Oh, I love that. That's really nice. Um, It is something I think, you know, when people kind of ask you, like, what do you most value in yourself? Or is there a particular trait that you really love about yourself? Um, I think over the years, I've come to realize that my confidence is something that 
I, I do truly love and that I'm really proud of um, and that I hope I, I never lose <laughs> again because <laughs> there was a stage where I did. But, um, but I think it's just something, yeah, again, it was my dad is an overly confident, loud, bubbly person and a um, bit weird in his own way and I just grew up looking up to that and thinking that was the coolest thing ever. So I just <laughs> try to be that person that's just completely and utterly myself. Yeah, that's that's so awesome the way that you seem to know exactly who you are, but it wasn't always like that. You touched on it briefly yeah. a second ago that the confidence wasn't always there. How was that leaving high school moving into the modeling industry? I mean, I've got three sisters, a few of them have been models and I've dated models before. Man, it's cutthroat out there. <laughs> How was that transition for you? Yeah, it was it was interesting cuz at the start, um, you know, I came out of high school super confident and like really excited to get into it. And I mean, I wasn't really expecting anything, but once I got signed with, you know, the agency that was my top choice, really, I got, that was like already, you know, a boost in my confidence. Like, great. This is awesome. They have faith in me. And then the best part was I picked up on, I picked a few, sorry, I didn't pick a few. (laughs) I got picked up by a few different brands that then became really regular clients. And, um, I didn't know it at the time, but that was really lucky as a model to kind of be working like three days a week from the get go. Um, and you know, I just kind of thought that was normal what happened. And it wasn't until I started talking and working with other models that were like, Oh yeah, it's been a great month. I've probably had like three jobs. And I was like, Oh, shit. <laughs> this is great. Um, and it was, it was really just that those regular kind of online, um, jobs f- for a while. But then, um, I started to, you know, do a few campaigns and everything got really exciting and I just really fell in love with it. But, um, I suppose where my confidence dropped was not in that year. It was a couple of years later when I was 20. I moved to New York. Um, and I moved to LA first, but I didn't really spend that much time there. I didn't, I didn't love LA. Um, I kind of like going there for a holiday, but I just, I don't know. I didn't love living there, but there was something that really fascinated me with like New York. It's funny because I'm not a city person. Like I'm much more of a country girl, but for some reason I was just infatuated with New York and I did really love it as a city and it was really fun to live there for a bit. But, um, my confidence kind of fell away for a while because I was thrown into this like completely different market within the industry. And, you know, I've, I've gone over there after a couple of, you know, really successful years working here in Australia and kind of making a name for myself over here, not expecting to, you know, go over there and be someone. Like I certainly wasn't expecting that. I knew that I was going to be going, you know, right back down to the bottom of the pool. Small fish, big pond. Exactly. Um, so it's not that I was expecting that, but what I was expecting only because it's all I had experienced up until this point was at least support from my agency there. And, um, I didn't get that. They were very forward and blunt and, uh, basically like, you know, in lots of many different ways and words and indirectly and directly, um, told me that I wasn't the right measurements. Um, they started measuring me like two times a week. They wouldn't send me to any castings at the start. And when I asked why, it was because that I wasn't the size that was right for them to, like, they didn't want me to represent them as an agency. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> righto. But I was so excited to be there that I just kind of, I really wanted to impress them. And I really wanted to kind of prove to them that I could do what they were asking and, you know, I could make these changes and, I fell into this really unhealthy relationship with food and exercise and just got a little bit obsessive 
and, you know, picked up on some really unhealthy habits. And during that time, my confidence in myself dropped so much because I'd never been more insecure in my life. Like, you know, so far I'd been working with clients and and an agency that liked me for me and that, you know, rarely put the pressure on me for my size or anything like that. And Australia is a very different industry. You know, I mean, the whole industry as a whole definitely needs some work still, but it it was a little bit more forward thinking um, than (laughs) America at the time, or at least my agency at the time. Um, And I think they were just trying to fit me into a mold that wasn't suited to me. You know, I think they kind of thought that they could push me to be this like high fashion model over there. And that's just not what I was interested in doing. I'm a very commercial look and that's the kind of work that I love doing. Um, but yeah, they just wanted me to lose more weight basically. And when I was losing weight, it was weird. Cause like, although that was my goal and something that I thought would like make me really happy cause it was going to make them happy. And then I could get a job and I could go to a casting like the skinnier I got and the more they kind of like got impressed, but still asked for more. It just got to this point where I was like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> I can't How do I do- keep you guys happy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I noticed that like suddenly when I was going to castings and they finally did take me to castings, not only would I get changed like 20 times before I left the house because I felt like nothing looked good on me or I, I didn't look skinny enough in anything. Then I'd get to the casting and I'd just be like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I just compare myself to everyone else there. And it was just this, I just has never been that insecure in my life. Like, it was so weird for me, but it, yeah, it was pretty shitty year, to be honest, in my mental health. But um, but it was something that I needed to go through, I think. I've, I've grown so much from that point. And I think that's the really tough thing about those kind of journeys you go on with mental health and um, I mean, anyone that's been through either an eating disorder or even just a bad relationship with food and exercise and with your own body image, as much as it sucks at the time, I think you grow so much as a person uh, through going through something like that. So it's funny because because it was such a shitty time, I still don't regret going there and I still don't regret, you know, doing everything that I did because, yeah, it's really kind of formed me to be who I am today. But it's it certainly made me realize that, yeah, once I did get my confidence back, um, I didn't ever want to let go of it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so amazing that the almost the goals and pressure and ambitions that we set ourselves to achieve something that mm. we think is going to make us happy. I feel like we're so like sold a lie almost in school and in all of our industries almost that you have to be something that you're not to please other people. It's such a backwards way we have society. And that's why like, I'm so proud that I've got my own business and I can like do my own thing now. And I, I see that I'm so inspired by watching you and Josh with soda <laughs> and then keep it clean is obviously such an amazing thing. And we'll, go, we'll get to that a little bit later. But mm. was there a point when you're in New York where you're like, you know what, screw this. Like, this is not who I am. This is not what I stand for it's time for a change. Was there a defining moment? Yeah, I think I can think of a few. Um, so one moment was when I was, I was in a group class in a gym class and suddenly like the, the class was about to start and like three Victoria's Secret Angels walked in and I was like, I, I knew that they kind of trained there, but I'd never done a class with them. And I was kind of gobsmacked. Like I was like, oh my God, at the time they were like my everything, <laughs> you know, I was just so starstruck by these gorgeous women who just walked in. And this was at the point where I was, you know, really insecure in myself. And I I just couldn't stop comparing myself to them. And then I noticed that 
one of them in particular, who was so, so tiny, was like looking at herself in the mirror. And I think it was around fashion week. So I think there's like this added pressure around fashion week where they all just need to be their like tiniest, basically. Um, And she was just continuously picking on herself. Like she was pointing out things she hated or like, you know, just, just literally being so mean to herself in the mirror. And I just, it kind of just hit me. And I was like, oh my God, like even people like that, who, you know, are really successful and are like Victoria's Secret Angels, you know, they put on this like pedestal or whatever, have all these insecurities and they can't even be kind to themselves and everything like, and it kind of just made me realize like I've been losing all this weight, you know, thinking that I was going to get to a certain measurement and I was going to be happy. And it kind of just made me realize I'm not going to get there. Like that's not going to make me happy. Um, and I have just, I just haven't been happy since I've been here. Like, so that was a pretty big moment. Um, and then there was another, it's funny because it wasn't actually that long ago. I started looking back at old emails <laughs> between me and my agent <laughs> from years ago over there. And there was this change in my, like, again, I think my confidence started to come back a bit because, you know, the way that they used to email me so directly about losing weight, you know, I used to be so like, yeah, of course. Like, oh, I totally understand. Or like, you know, I might it's not come criminal. in. Yeah. And I was, and I was like, oh, I might not come in for digis today. I'm a little bit bloated. Like maybe like tomorrow or like, you know, just the way I was talking to them was so, I don't know. But then suddenly, like I noticed a little bit further on, I kind of started to stand up for myself and I started to have this like energy that I was like, well, okay. When I was in LA, I was working for a few commercial um, brands over in LA that were, you know, flying me to Seattle or, you know, different parts of America. And they loved me and they never had a problem with my um, measurements. Like, can we get in contact with them? Can like, can you push me for those jobs at least? Like, I need to work. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm not working. And then I even started saying like, and look, if my measurements aren't right, like, can you push me for beauty? Can you push me for hair? Like, just anything. (laughs) Let Um, these people meet me. Let me have a conversation (laughs) with them and they'll fall in love with me. You don't need to send them in numbers on a piece of paper for them to book me. I know. And so it was really interesting to kind of see that. And I did start to bite back a bit. Like, and I noticed they really started to shut down from there. Like they really just started to like not speak to me. And that's when I kind of went back to my mother agent and I was like, okay, this is what's been going on. And I'm really unhappy, but I was kind of stuck at that point and I needed his advice because I'd done my visa through them, like they were my sponsors. So, but he was like, not a problem. Like we'll work this out. We'll get you out of it. And I think we ended up switching my visa over to my LA agency anyway, and it all worked out fine. And I left that agency, took a bit of a break, but stayed in New York, just had a bit of fun, Um, found another agency and my confidence was definitely back up by now. Like I literally walked into that agency and I was like, cool. So um, I've actually been here all year. I haven't really worked at all. I haven't barely seen any of the clients that I came here to see. See Um, Yeah. And I was like, look, I, you know, I have a really, I love my life at home. I'm so happy to go back to Australia. Um, I just want to say before like anything, you know, I had a lot of trouble with the last agency here. They were really trying to make me lose weight. And I just need to know that my measurements that I'm at are are fine before we like talk any further because I can't like do that again. And they were just like, oh my God, no, fine, you're totally fine. And they kind of made me feel a lot more comfortable in that that's not the kind of work we'd push you for. And um, we're totally just happy to have you as as you are. And so... Yeah, it was it was really nice. I think once I started to kind of speak up for myself and be a little bit more confident, um, yeah, I I was able to kind of 
get somewhere. But then again, by that point, I was just ready to come home. So I kind of signed with them and um, I think I only stayed there for an extra month and then I went home. (laughs) Back to to God's country. I was like, yeah, Yeah. America, you're fine. But But it's funny because there's a lot of pressure for, you know, for Aussie models who go overseas. It's like you get this, you have this weird thing attached to traveling overseas that maybe if you're successful over there, you'll come back and you'll suddenly be, you know, labeled as an international supermodel. Um, and so there's this pressure that you just put on yourself. That it's like, I know a lot of people who've gone over there have not succeeded, but they've really hold, held on to being over there because they're too embarrassed to come back um, because they feel like they haven't been as successful as they set out to be. Um, and I didn't, I just, I didn't want to worry about that. I think I just got to a point where I was like, so I didn't meet the clients that I thought I was going to meet. So I didn't work for who I thought I was going to meet or whatever. Um, I have an incredible client base at home um, and I love my life at home. Like, let's just go. And, and it was, it was yeah. so much better. You know, I still travelled. I still went to the States um, once or twice a year from that point and, like, went and visited and did some castings and stuff. But there's just... No place like home. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing beats Australia. And you've got such a great client base here. But I think there's such a really nice lesson in there for like any other girls doing modeling, watching like there's always going to be another option mm. than an agency that's going to degrade you and treat you disrespectfully because yeah. it's just ridiculous that that's still a thing. I mean, I guess what was that, five, six, year, or six seven was, years ago? Is it, it was six years ago, but I can tell you it would definitely still happen. Still every happening. day. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like girls like yourself who actually go like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to be me and if you want to work with me, sweet. They're, you guys are the happiest ones <laughs> and the ones who are succeeding the most now anyway. Mm. <laughs> it's funny. This is going to bring me nicely into you talking about Keep It Cleaner. It sounds like because of your values and your what you went through almost in New York, it empowered you to be like, you know what, like I want people to take a stand and be happy with who they are. Tell me all about Keep It Cleaner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it was definitely um massive reason behind Keep It Cleaner. But it started as just an ebook. It was just an ebook of like 37 recipes between Laura and my business partner and I. Um we'd both been through something really similar. She went to Europe and had some really similar experiences with her own body and, you know, obsessive of different diets and everything that she'd learnt through social media, through following people and comparing herself to others. So we both really related to each other on that and the more we spoke about it and the more we spoke with others, we realized how common that was. Um, and anyway, when it came with, to the ebook, I suppose we didn't really realize it was going to turn into a community or, you know, anything like it is today. It was really just, I was getting asked a lot because my following was growing at that point, you know, what I was eating and everything. This is when I was better. It's not when I was being too obsessive or anything. Um, cause I loved cooking and I loved cooking all my own meals. And Laura had a blog at the time with all these really healthy, um, recipes on there. And I loved her, particularly her sweet treats. So often if it was something sweet, I would say, you know, go to this blog. It's amazing. There's so many great recipes. And then when it came to mine, I, I always found them so hard to explain because a lot of my savory recipes are just kind of thrown together and end up tasting good. Um, so when I approached Laura, um, first of all, she was like, no, I'm surprised that people even come onto my blog, let alone pay for an ebook. Like this, well, how, why do you think this? And I was like, well, there's a lot of demand for it, a lot of people asking for it, plus ebook books are the new thing. Like, let's just give it a go. That's when Instagram like just started using 
that platform as, as a marketing tool. So brands started using Instagram and like sending stuff to people and working with them in that way. And we'd both kind of worked with a few brands um, and realized like how engaged our audience were and everything. So the way we kind of started the ebook was by getting in touch with a few of our favorite brands and getting them on board as sponsors for the ebook. And that was the way we kind of afforded to put it all together. Um, and then from there, it was really great because it just kind of, it sold really well. And we were really surprised, I think, because we just weren't expecting anything. Um, and it was really just a fun project that we really enjoyed putting together. But from there, this amazing community formed and it was, you know, girls and women all around the same age that we were all kind of on that same, you know, journey that we were either pre or, you know, in the middle of being confused as, as to what exactly healthy living was. Um, This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, there's so many mixed messages on social media. Um, and, I mean, that's for two reasons. Number one, there isn't one size fits all when it comes to, you know, healthy living. Everyone needs something different. There's something different that works for everyone. But then the other side is just like there's just a lot of there's just a lot of shit on there that's they're just there's looking. So much. You know, everyone's <laughs> just trying to sell you something. Everyone's trying to tell you that their way is the best way. That's 100%. what I love about your guys' platform is it's just come do it with us. We're doing yeah. it. We're real. Yeah, and I just so yeah, and then you know, kick turned into a subscription blog. The community continued to form and build, and then we changed it into uh, the website, which was programmed similar to kind of what it is today. And then we went off and launched the app, um, and we have our own team, and it's just been the most incredible journey. Um, and I think the the community is the community is everything to us. I mean, mm. without them, we would literally be nothing. But I think the most amazing thing for Laura and I is we've been able to help other women and young girls either dodge that kind of, you know, period where they might be really unhappy with themselves or, you know, fall into a really unhealthy pattern or unhealthy relationship with food or exercise. They've either dodged it completely because they've, you know, come into the spirit so young or mm. we've helped them kind of come out of it. You know, a lot of the people who are within our community have tried other programs or have done other things in the past where they've felt really um, like it was too strict or there was too much mm. pressure. Um, they were never actually happy. They never actually enjoyed the workout. I think that's what we love so much about our community is it's like they don't, I mean, they don't, like, I love being a part of it, but they don't really need us anymore. You know, they just kind of are all in there together, encouraging each other and motivating each other. And if any of them are ever feeling down and out, like there's about 40,000 in the Facebook community and wow, 80% of them are like super active every day. Um, so it's the most engaged community and it's so beautiful to just kind of scroll through and, and see how much they've all just really embraced like kicks way. It's like, it's really crazy, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the most rewarding part about what we do is just, is just knowing that we're helping people kind of, I don't know, enjoy living healthy. 
How important is it for you on social media to be authentic, sharing unedited photos and sharing those bad days? Are like, I love watching you cry on Instagram every now and then. <laughs> it makes me feel, makes me feel like, oh, you know what? Far out. We all have bad days, don't we? But how important is it to you knowing that your following is largely young? influential or like young girls who are easily influenced and making sure that you have that responsibility to show those girls that that raw unedited version of you when you could very easily be like the other 95% of Instagram influencers <laughs> and model, not in a bad way because it's, it's very hard to be vulnerable and totally. to share. It takes, a lot, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah, Where, totally. Yeah, how important is that to you? It's so important to us. Um, I mean, a lot of that has to do with, you know, making sure that, uh, Laura and I, our individual brands continue to align with Keep a Cleaner as a message and a, and a brand and stick with those values. But it's also because it it's ties in so nicely to how we actually are as people. It's not really like either of us to be, you know, 100% aesthetically pleasing at all times. <laughs> um, we're both a bit weird. We're both a bit, um, well, Laura's cl- definitely clumsier than I am, but, um, you know, just there's just weird quirks about us both and um, we're both normal girls at the end of the day that, you know, have just, you know, we're working on something incredible and it's been amazing, but at the end of the day we were just two girls from Melbourne that <laughs> had very normal lives. Um, and so I think for us it's just been really important to really stick to our roots and stay quite humble. Um, and for me, sharing the rawer stuff, I think that was only nerve-wracking in the beginning because it was kind of really new and no one really was doing it. And I think the first time I really did that was when I opened up about, you know, my binge eating and my time in New York and that really unhealthy pattern that I, I think it was, yeah, it was a YouTube video, God, probably four years ago now that I put on in, uh, on YouTube. And I was so nervous to post it because I hadn't really been that raw and honest about that in my life. And I was nervous because, you know, I was still working with a lot of clients and obviously I was still modeling full time at the time. And I was like, is this, what's this going to do? Is my agency going to, I mean, I didn't say anything bad about my mother agency, of course, but like, you know, what's going to happen here. Um, but the response I got from being so raw and honest was just so rewarding because so many girls and women approached me and, um, said, you know, it's just crazy to think that, you know, I look up to you. I honestly think your life is perfect and I think you're perfect and I I enjoy watching your stories and stuff so much, but um, I often fall into a trap of comparing myself to you and to hear that you've been through this or, you know, you're going through what I'm going through right now and all that sort of stuff. It was really special for them and um, I think it just meant a lot to them because they realised that they weren't alone and I think for me that was really important that no one ever feels alone when they're going through something like that. Cause it's so, it's, I mean, it's obviously terribly sad how common, you know, mental illnesses and eating disorders and all that sort of stuff is. But the truth of the matter is it's, it's very common. And like, it's mm. very likely that whether you're male or female, you're going to hit something, something at some point in your life. Um, and it's just, it's a lot more helpful knowing that it happens to more people than just you um, and having someone to talk to about it. And I think our community just became that space um, where people could be so open and honest and raw. Um, and, yeah, it might have started with, you know, Laura and I being that way, but they all, all just kind of, <laughs> as I said, we don't always have to be in there anymore and they just kind of, like, continue Support to do so. <laughs> yeah. And it's so awesome looking at your social media whenever you get – 
like I was reading an um, article the other day on, I think, I can't remember what it was on about you down the beach in Melbourne with a mask on and people being <laughs> like, Bruh. and I was like, and, but the cool thing is your, your whole little fan base, well, big fan base yeah. and great people around you, you got so many people that go into bat for you and be like, what are you, like, if you don't even need to like look at trolls anymore because you've got your whole little army fighting back for you. It's beautiful. It's funny because um, the way that trolls work for me has really changed over time as well. Like when I was younger and, you know, um, was just modelling and I was kind of going through that stage of being super insecure in myself and everything, I had a lot of pressure and I really just based my whole value of myself on the way I looked and my appearance. And so like... Trolls affected me in a way that if someone ever commented negatively on my appearance or anything like that, that's like that really bothered me or really pulled pulled in the wrong heartstrings and all that sort of stuff. Whereas now I like literally could not care less what anyone was to say about me physically. But at the same time, as sure as I am in myself and as sure as I am that I'm always trying to do the right thing and, and that's what I try and remind myself whenever a troll does come up, the things that affect me now is when they judge, you know, my belief in something or, you know, an action that I've done or anything like that. That's that's where it gets tough, but you just can't please everyone. <laughs> How do you transition to that? Because there's so many, doesn't matter if you've got a mega following or a couple hundred followers, the bullying with young girls and I think just in high school in general nowadays, like I feel like back in when we're at school, finish school and you'd go home, you'd get a break from, I guess, that bullying aspect yeah. of things. What sort of advice would you have for young people now who do have those friends who will send funny messages bickering behind their back about their appearance and stuff? How do you, how do you become so sure of yourself that it doesn't affect you? Yeah, look, it's like I really feel for, you know, kids in school these days because, as you said, you know, when we went home, the worst we had was I think even like with MySpace, you know, MSN. you might have, yeah, and MSN, but like you might have had a friend that was a bit upset that they weren't in your top 10 on MySpace, but like <laughs> that was pretty much it. Um, you know, that, that hurt was, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if someone judged the song that you picked on your page. Um, but, but really, like, honestly, if, if at, you know, 15, if people could, you know, make fake accounts and, say whatever they wanted about you or spread rumours. Like, I couldn't even imagine how hard that would have been. I mean, I um, I had some stuff happen in high school and, you know, made some mistakes and even the way that it spreads word of mouth was, you know, that affected me enough as a kid, let alone if it was, like, plastered all over the internet. And so I really do feel for kids these days in high school and I think, you know, for me, if you feel like a friend is is doing things or saying things that doesn't make you feel good or doesn't make you feel comfortable, if you open up to them and you tell them that and, you know, that you genuinely say, look, I, I don't know if you're just trying to joke around but it's actually affecting me or whatever, if they don't respect that and they continue to do so or they laugh at you for bringing it up, you know, maybe consider finding a new friend. Maybe <laughs> I feel like, you know, we're getting to this point in life where I'm hoping that, like, People just need to realise that you don't need to surround yourself with people that don't make you feel good. And that goes just does it's not just, you know, I mean, in high school it's hard because you put in classes with people and, um, you know, you kind of have to be surrounded by certain people and it's a lot easier when you leave school. You can kind of really choose your friendship groups and everything like that. But it's still, it's still the same thing. If you've got friends at high school that are making fun of you and when you open up to them, they're not respecting that, then just don't call them your friend anymore. Like, you know, try and find someone else. 
Yeah, so often it's a projection of their insecurities anyway, mm. like 90% of the time it is. And that's where, and I think you've got such a great vision with perspective of other people and I've listened to a lot of your stuff and seen the way that you treat your kid community, like everybody has a different story and like, I guess like the way that I try and look at things is if like the age old, like if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all, but you just never know what somebody's going through. The more and more I podcast and the more and more I read, I understand how different everybody's lives are and we just have to respect that and try and be empathetic towards every situation. Oh, a hundred percent. And I love what you just said then because that was one of the values like mum definitely taught us, you know, as growing up, like, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all and, and treat people how you wish to be treated, or all of that sort of stuff. Because I think even like, you know, there's celebrities or politicians or that there's people out there who I completely disagree with or that I have an opinion on. But if it's not a positive one, like I just don't feel the need to share it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, I'll just keep this to myself. Like I don't, I really don't need to publicly shame this person for, I don't know, spelling something wrong and looking yeah. like a bit of an idiot or like, I don't know, wearing the wrong thing. Like I just, I don't see the point in that. Like obviously everyone is entitled to their own opinion for sure. And I totally agree that I suppose politics is not, it's a bad example because a lot of people need a voice. Their poll, you know, th- that kind of opinion is really important. So, but, um, you know, when it's just like, kind of picking on someone. I just, I've never understood it because, and I don't know, maybe it's because I've experienced it myself and thought of it that way, but I just, I don't know, I feel like it's just so high school. And so to see adults doing it, um, it's just so petty, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't make that much sense to me. That's why my whole kind of business ethos is kindness, like kindness and gratitude is going to get you everywhere. If you're kind to everyone, like, if they're trying to be mean back to you and you it just kind to them, all you can do is be your best version of yourself in situations. I, and Yeah. And I, I think like, I mean, the important thing to, to state there, I mean, as I said, like it's very high school. And the reason I say that is like, I mean, I, I'd always say that I've been a really empathetic and, and nice person my whole entire life, but I also fell into the trap of like, you know, bitchiness and, you know, being a bit rude and mean, you know, in high school and like surrounding myself with the wrong people and kind of like, you know, being a bit of a sheep in that way. I think we all go through that point, but as long as you can kind of learn from those mistakes and um, I think any time that I was that way, I would feel so guilty and so I feel so Mm. terrible about it that I just couldn't imagine still being that way as an adult. I just, (laughs) it doesn't. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I feel like it just comes back to values. I feel like even when I was in school and I did do those things that might have been classified as a little bit of bullying or disrespectful, I almost knew I was doing it and felt yeah. bad subconsciously. And that's where my whole business turned into. I was like, you know what? Like, it's pretty easy to be a good human. Well, yeah. It's actually hard to be a good human. But <laughs> if we can constantly try and do little things daily, then it's not that hard. And it's just having that accountability and that reflective, I guess, um, value within you to realize like we all know what doing good and bad is and it's just trying to instill those values from a younger age, I believe. Yeah. Another question. Have you seen The Social Dilemma? I have seen it. I have. All right. This is kind of a little quote that I've used a little bit with The Good Human Factory. It's like we live in a world that's so connected now, yet more people feel disconnected than ever. What's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I think especially, you know, working and relying on things like social media and tech um, in business, I think for a long time, I was very much 
you know, just fully invested and attached to my phone for like every minute of the day. Um, and it's funny when I watch The Social Dilemma, um, I think particularly in this time during COVID, I mean, everyone in Melbourne needs to give themselves a pat on the back and definitely a break when it comes to, you know, looking at how much screen time we've done. I'm sure we've done more than anyone and that's okay because there's literally nothing else to do. Um, but I think, you know, putting COVID aside, um, I actually did come to a point in COVID where I was like, okay, that's it. I'm sick of being on Netflix. I'm sick of scrolling and looking at other people's lives on Instagram. I'm sick of this and that. Like, I just need to do something else. Um, and then I watched Social Dilemma and there were so many parts of it that I totally knew and I was totally yeah. aware of, but it was like the most, the best kind of reminder, <laughs> I think. And I instantly, like as soon as it finished, I like set, you know, all these locks on my phone. So at like 8 p.m., all my apps, except for my communication ones, like text and stuff, lock. Um, and then like Instagram, you know, after an hour it locks and I only really allow myself to go, you know, that extra 15 minutes if I've got something that I need to post for work or like, you know, there's something I forgot about yeah, or I need yeah. to check out, of course. But it's already helped me so much and it's made me realize how much I was using my phone in such an unnecessary way. Like I really liked when they were talking about, you know, getting social media back to the point of it just being a tool and not being something mm. that we just kind of automatically went on for the littlest notification. It's like, yeah, maybe turn your notifications off and then you'll actually just go to it when you need to do something or when you really want to check out a friend's photo or something like that, not just because so-and-so has commented on it and then you get stuck there like scrolling oh, for 15 minutes, you know? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. That's where actually it's funny. When I got an Apple Watch, I was like, oh, it's going to be worse getting my I actually find by getting the notification on my wrist, it makes me go, oh, that one doesn't matter that much. I won't get yeah. it. As soon as you open your phone, it's like scroll. It's, oh, not again. Can- it got me. Completely agree. Completely agree. The Apple Watch is like the best thing for that. I have definitely spent less time on my phone having yeah, that. And it's funny because anytime you talk to someone about it, they go, oh, but that means you're on, you've always got it. But it's like, yeah, but then I can filter the shit that I don't really need to go on my phone for rather than just pick up my phone and end up in the scroll again. Totally. And I think when, you know, back to your question about connecting with people, I think I find it really important, like, you know, if I've got friends over or if I'm, even when I'm sitting down for dinner with Josh or, you know, past a certain point in the night when, you know, we've gone to bed, we've already set our alarms, like I am really aware of, okay, let's put our phone away. Let's just talk or let's just do this. And especially when friends are around, I I think because (laughs) again, COVID, um, we've missed that social connection so much. And we've missed seeing people so much that I've found that each time I've gone to a picnic or caught up with some friends, you know, outdoors, <laughs> um, I haven't touched my phone the entire time. And I kind of get home and I'm like, oh, that was just so amazing to actually just sit and talk to someone and not feel like, I don't know, I have to scroll while I'm doing oh, so. Just be present. You're there. You're right where your feet are. That's all that matters, huh? Yeah. So I think it's, um, it's a really great point. And, you know, I hope that because I think the most important thing is, um, you know, our generation needs to be a really good role model, I suppose, for the younger generations. We're going to get very close to the end of this conversation, but it's obviously <laughs> been a very difficult year for you guys. And you touched on obviously taking social media and phone time, bringing it down. Is that something that you focused on for your own, I guess, self-care? Is, is such a big topic right now and you're a big advocate for self-care. What kind of things have you been doing over 
lockdown and 2020 because it's been a very difficult year for you guys down there. And what sort of things have you been doing and what have you learned about yourself in these interesting sort of times this year? I think like in a way, definitely, I've, I've minimised the use of my phone in this time uh, lately. Again, I'm giving myself some slack for the amount of hours I would have played on it <laughs> when there was nothing else better to do. Um, but now that I can kind of see normality slowly coming back into life, I, I'm trying to implement all these really good habits now so that, you know, I, it, they carry over. Um, but I think when times are really tough in COVID, I mean, connecting with friends and family, whilst it had to be virtual, it was still really important to me to do and to just check in on any, on anyone and everyone. Um, you know, there was points where I was at my lowest mentally and felt really unhappy. And then a girlfriend or even Josh just happened to ask me how I was, was like right at the right time. And I was like, okay, this is great. So I think, you know, when you see how much that helps, you know, you out, you just want to help others and make sure everyone else is okay as well. Um, so definitely connecting with others. I obviously can't wait to do that more in person. Um, and I think one thing I've learned about myself in this time is how much I appreciate taking things slow. I think we had such a hustle and bustle and really, really fast paced life. I mean, we still do with running two businesses. Mm. Like that, that's going to happen. Like when you run a business, obviously, but at the same time, like we were, you know, I was interstate at least once a month, once a week almost. Um, we were traveling all the time and I do miss travel. So I'm not saying it as a negative thing, but like we would just go, go, go all the time. Like I was in traffic every morning, traffic every night. Um, you know, I just, I just felt like there was not a moment to breathe, but I thought that I really enjoyed that. And then at the very start of lockdown, I started to sleep in a little bit or like, go for a walk in the morning and not feel like I had to stick to like a certain schedule in the morning. And it felt really freeing and I really enjoyed it. And the more I've, uh, yeah, over this time, (laughs) this long year that will never end, I feel like I've learned that it's something that I, you know, I really want to carry over, that I don't need to say yes to everything that, you know, as much as I'm excited to do a lot of those things again, at the same time, I'm definitely going to make more time for downtime. I'm definitely going to put more time aside just to be by myself um, because it's been very hard and challenging, but rewarding to like sit in your own thoughts and just be by yourself and, and yeah, kind of learn those things about yourself. So I, I just want to be able to continue that when yeah, stuff awesome. goes back to normal. <laughs> I want to talk about it real quickly because mm. Soda Shades is my favourite sunglasses <laughs> brand and I want to give it a little plug in the podcast. <laughs> How fun's it been having running a business with your husband and two great people like G and Lukey? It's so awesome. Like it's such a fun brand to work on, um, not just because of all the cool stuff we get to get up to, but as you said, like working um, with your best mates and, and, and your husband, it's just so rewarding in so many ways. Um we have a really great working balance. Like we all have very, very different strengths. Um, And now we've got this incredible team that we work with as well that we're so incredibly proud of. Um, And it's just, it's just amazing. Like it's just, it's growing so much and there's so much on the horizon that we can't wait to share with everyone. um, That's really exciting. And, you know, it's been hard for Josh and I this year being in Melbourne and everyone else is kind of in Sydney or Gold Coast, which is actually obviously a very good thing because we've been able to continue to do what we do. 
in other ways. Um, but it has been really hard not being able to be a part of that other than in the back end, you know, like we'll be a part of the discussion and, and the, um, conceptualization, I suppose, of certain shoots or events and stuff, but not being actually to physically be there has been really hard for the both of us. But, um, you know, that's not going to be forever. We just keep reminding ourselves of that. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, about the brand, it's, um, we're really proud of it and, proud of what's to come as well. Yeah. And, and the thing I love about Soda Shades and what I love about yourself and Josh is you've created a sunglass brand that still has high quality sunglasses, polarized sunglasses. So you're making good quality stuff, but you put it at a price point so people can afford it. And I think that's what Keep It Cleaner and Soda do so well. It's all about inclusion and trying to let everybody have the opportunity to be wearing cool stuff, be included in cool communities and not have to be privileged to be included in it. So props to you guys. It's so beautiful to see that. Thank you. I'm going to finish with my one last question that I ask all of my guests. What does being a good human mean to Steph Miller? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just, I think I, this is a hard one. I think it's just trying to be, I mean, it's being yourself for sure, for one, but just trying to be as empathetic towards others as possible. I just think, as we spoke about at the very start of the podcast, you just never know what anyone else is going through. Um, And I think it's really important to be totally aware of that in the way that you treat others. Um, And I think if you are that way inclined and, you know, you kind of end up attracting those kind of people around you as well and it just ends up being a really beautiful life. So (laughs) I think that's, yeah, that's probably what I'd say. Thanks so much, Steph. It's been amazing having a chat, getting to know you better. Thank you so much for having me. Good Humans was presented by me, Cooper Chapman. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.